0: Uh, I was working on something um, that says uh, in the book of Psalms where it says they came out of Egypt and there was no feeble ones among them. That means there was, what happens, now you got to remember these were slaves. They didn't have the best diet. They didn't have the best environment. They didn't have the best, Uh, uh, you know uh, atmosphere to grow and they were they were captives they were slaves so you got to imagine there was some weak weak people there not just physically emotionally mentally they were weak in a lot of different ways but yet the Bible says when they came out of Egypt there was no feeble one among them, none of them stumbled why is that well I got I got an idea it also said that Jesus I mean the Lord told them to have a Passover before they came out. What happened on the Passover? They ate uh, the lamb and they put the blood on the doorposts. So I believe that that is akin to what we do when we accept Christ into our life. Jesus, the, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, he forgave us of all our iniquities and he healed us of all our diseases. At that moment, when the death angel came over, death passed over them because they were hidden. They were, they were participating with the lamb. So, but not only that, I believe that when they partook of that lamb, not only were they set free from being slaves, we see them come out of Egypt, but I believe that's how they were able to come out of Egypt, and there was no feeble one among them because God healed them. Now, that's an inferior covenant to the present covenant that we're in. We live under a better covenant with better promises. Now, I don't know what the word better means to you, but the word better means this one is more gooder than the last one. I mean, I was going to say better again, but how many times can you say better? This one is better than the last one. So if it's going to be better, it at least has to have what the first one has. What did the first one have? Deliverance and healing. So in Christ, it's deliverance and healing. And we see God's will moving when God manifested in the flesh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and the Bible says He taught and He demonstrated. Everyone who came to Him was healed. He healed every form of sickness, Every form of disease. He healed them all. Whatever they had, if they touched him, he healed them all. I, I'm, just, I'm just believing right now, and I don't know if it's the Lord, there is actually a, an anointing for healing that is just falling on this congregation even right now. It's resting on right now. So what does that mean? If Jesus were walking by and you saw what he was doing and you heard it and you, and, and, he, and you knew who he was and he was walking by and he said you're healed, how many of y'all would believe him? Right? No question. The problem is we can't see Jesus right now. But his word is just as good as if he were here. He's in this place. Right? And remember what Doug said. He said he's here. He's willing. All we got to do is reach out by faith. So when that, that anointing for healing, and I saw it over there, it's, it's rest over there. I'm not saying it's not over here, but it's kind of like there was something over there. It's kind of weird. I mean, I know, but I'm going to take a risk. It's over there. You just have to receive. I almost want to go over there because I, I want to get rid of this because I'm believing God for my healing as well. So I don't know what's going on over there, but just receive it. Receive it by faith. How do I receive it by faith? Well, if you've got a problem with your arm, you can't move it, start moving your arm. you've got a problem with your leg, it hurts, start, start testing that thing. Start moving. Start doing something you could not do before. And watch and meet God by faith. When Jesus said to the lepers, I guess I am going in a different direction. When Jesus said to the lepers, he, they said uh, ten lepers showed up to him and they said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on him. He said, go show yourself to the priests. He didn't touch them. He didn't do anything to them. He just said, go show yourself to the priest. So they started on their journey. As they went, believing, trusting, as they went, the Bible says they were cleansed. Right? Why were they cleansed? Because they heard what Jesus said, began to do what Jesus said, and as they began to do what Jesus said, they began to see healing begin to manifest in their bodies. So we sometimes fall into this this thing of when I see it, then I'll believe it. And Jesus said, blessed are those who believe and do not see. That doesn't mean you're not going to see it, but it means you believe God because of what he said, not because you're seeing it. You're not from Missouri. The show me state. Show me and then I'll believe you. No, you believe, and because you believe, you will see. That's the way it works in the kingdom. That's the way it works in God's word. We believe what God said, we trust in what God said, and when we step out in faith, we begin to see the manifestation of God's promises. Now, listen, this is not just believing for whatever I want. We believe in his promises, we believe in his word. We believe what he speaks to us. He says something to us. We say, yes, sir, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm going to kind of go off a little bit. Is that okay? I won't, I won't preach long, not that I know of. And some of you are going, yeah, right. Not that I know of, because I'm just kind of, I'm going to do what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to step out on the water, okay? So um, what happens, I was thinking about this the other day, because I, I, the last, since Thanksgiving, I had a little twinge in my back, and um, I can't tell you, you know, if you have back problems, you may think your back problem is like mine, and it might be, and maybe I'm just a wimp, I don't know, but I, I don't think your problems like mine. I haven't had anybody know, that I know of that had the same problem, that when it hits them, they go down on the floor, go into spasms for 24 hours and can't get back up and in their incredible amount of pain, can't move. Most people that have back problems and have back problems, it's like, oh, it hurts and whatever, but they can still function. And so I struggle with that, and I, I felt that again on Thanksgiving, and, and it's been hard. It's been difficult getting there. And I don't know if you know this, but when you have a chronic problem, sometimes it can be, Anna Joe knows this, it can be, as much as you're trusting and believing God, it can be exasperating. It can be mentally, if you're not careful, debilitating. If you're not careful, you can limit yourself from life because you want to keep yourself safe, right? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I was going through that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, my wife asked me, "How are you doing this morning?" and I said, "Well, I'm I'm not quitting. I'm going to keep getting up. I'm going to keep doing. It hurts." but my my point in saying all that is i was I was really struggling uh, uh and and I was in my office one day and um i don't i don't know I don't know how i don't know if you guys can handle this okay but when I show up to the office the Lord is there but there's almost always an enemy there too And he, and he constantly berating me with, uh, oh, this is going to happen and that's going to happen and you're going to be this and, and you rebuke him, but you know, he comes right you. you do this, you come right you. It's a battle every morning. Okay, so I'm in one of those battles. Now, I'm trusting in the Lord, but I'm in one of those battles. And I'm thinking about Abraham. The Bible says Abraham wavered not through unbelief. Now, I used to read it this way. Abraham wavered not by never having any doubt. And that's not what the Lord revealed to me that it means. He wavered not, is really how, this, how, how I felt like he opened it up to me one day. He wavered not by continuing to believe me even when he was plagued with unbelief. Even when everything around him was telling him, it's never going to happen, you're never going to see it, because he, God promised him that he would be the father of a multitude. And now he was old. His wife was old, his body was as good as dead. His wife womb womb was dead, but God had promised him he would have a child. And then he showed up again. He said, "You're going not, He's not gonna be Ishmael because he tried to do it his way. But he's not gonna be Ishmael. It's gonna be through your wife Sarah, okay? So uh, he he kept on waiting, and then God just." For some reason, I don't know why, it just kept going and going until finally if he'd have gone to the doctor, how many of you all ever been to the doctor and they gave you no hope? If he'd have gone to the doctor, he'd have said, well, look, if you'd have come to me earlier, we could have done IV therapy. We could have done in vitro fertilization. We could have done all these kind of things. But since, man, there is no way you guys are going to have a kid. And the enemy's right there. ain't going to happen. ain't going to happen ain't going to happen. But see, God had told them, go to the land, and I will show you, and walk through the land. Every place where the foot, your, your foot treads, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to make you a father of a multitude. God, nothing, nothing. I can't imagine for 25 years believing God in nothing, 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 nothing. Why does that happen? I don't know. That's the best theological answer I can give you right now. Some things with God are mysteries. And you got to trust God in the mystery. God does not cease to be good when you don't get what you want when you want it. His promises do not cease to be true when I don't receive it when I want it. He is faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is not a respecter of persons. That doesn't mean that he loves somebody else more than you because they prayed once and they got an answer to the prayer and you didn't. No, they got an answer and we need to learn how to rejoice with them because if he did it for them, he will do it for me. So Abraham's going through one of these times where he's walking through the land of Canaan and it's just nothing but unbelief, unbelief. I I'd like to describe it this way. He was walking through the territory of the unbelievites. And they all had the best stereo systems with the best speakers. And had—they had, they was blaring out loud. And what they were broadcasting was, you're not going to get it. You might as well turn home and die, go home and uh, go back to the place where you came from. Uh, you're going to die childless. God's not faithful. You're never going to see it. But you know what Abraham kept doing in the middle of that? And I want to tell you, the battle that we have is not exterior. It's inside. I don't know how the enemy has uh, the ability to uh, deal with our minds and when we have unbelief run through their minds, but I took them a long time for me to come to a place where I realized that's not my thought. That's not me. Well, who is it? It's not me, and it ain't God, because I know God. God's good. I, I, I have plans to do you well to for your welfare not for your destruction and I know God God is faithful he's true he's not uh, uh, trying to find ways to manipulate you or to to uh, taunt you or to, to 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 curse that's not God God doesn't come along and say well uh, I liked this one better than you or uh, you know uh, I was gonna do it but eh, you know, he doesn't do that he's the same yesterday today and forever he's good you want to know he's like look at Jesus he is good. So where does his thoughts come from? From the enemy. So Abraham's walking through the land, being plagued by these thoughts. You know, and, and I'm sure many of them were, go home. Go back to your family. Go back to the land where you came from. God's not who he says he is. You're not going to receive. But the Bible says that Abraham wavered not. What does that mean? In the middle of the battle, in the middle of all this stuff's going on, uh, He kept walking. The Bible says he did not consider his body, which is good, which is good as dead. But he considered. Uh, let me let me go over. this it's actually in Romans chapter four. There's a reason I bring this Bible up here. Romans chapter four. It says. I have made you a father of many nations, God who gives life to the dead and call those things which do not exist as though they did, verse 18, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, he was already dead, but he did not take notice of that. That's what it means. Since he was about 100 years old. And he did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb, even though it was dead. So people like to say, when you go to a doctor's report, he said, well, that's the facts. It is the facts, but it's not the truth. Listen, Christians aren't stupid. Christians don't live in denial. We just know that there's a greater truth than what's been presented to us. And the greatest truth is what's in God's Word, right? So what does it say? He did not waver at the promises of God through... Unbelief. That means he's walking through unbelief, but he did not waver at the promise of God. God said it, I believe it. But he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God when? In the middle of his unbelief, in the middle of walking through that difficult season of his life, and he became fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Sometimes the more difficult it gets, The more we have to say, I don't understand, but God, you're faithful. And here's the thing. So when Abraham was 99 years old, God shows up to Abram, and his name wasn't Abraham. His name was Abram. And Abram means exalted father. Now, he had one kid. And you can also be a father in name and in type in how you live among people, right? Uh, He's a father to the church. He's a father to our people, right? doesn't mean that you have children and the Bible says that God showed up and he said this time next year you're gonna have a child right so that could be 12 months 16 months 18 months it could be along those lines God said this time next year you're gonna have a child right and he said here's what I want you to do I want you to change your name from Abram which means exalted father to Abraham which means father of multitude right now When he spoke his name to other people, he wasn't just saying, this is my label. They understood what his name meant. So when he said, I'm no longer Abraham, I'm Abraham, I mean Abram, I'm Abraham, they knew that he was saying, don't call me exalted father anymore, call me a father of a multitude. Can you imagine what they were saying? you, You guys are nuts. You don't understand. You're 100 years old. She, your wife is 90 years, and you're a father of a multitude. You can't even have a kid. What is wrong with you? But God told him to do that. God said, change your name to Abraham. Now, I know there's been a lot of, uh, of abuse of the name and claim and stuff and speaking stuff. But, you know, God taught Abraham to do that. What was he telling him to do? Confess my word. Speak it out loud. Before you ever see it, if I promise it to you, you begin to stand on it, and you begin to declare. Don't declare the problem; you declare my word to the problem. And so Abraham, who is dead, his wife is dead, their wombs, their ability to procreate is dead. All of a sudden, he begins to say, "I'm the father of a multitude." Everybody, men, hey, hey, I'm the father of a multitude. How old are you? Hundred. Hey, I'm the father of a multitude. How old are you? Hundred. Whatever, you know? Well, guess what? About four, six, eight months later, Sarah comes and says, I'm pregnant. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'm pregnant. And then, nine months after that, little child Isaac is born. Now, how long had he been believing God? You say, well, it's been, he's been believing God for a year. No, he's been believing God for 25 years. For 25 years, he's been walking out the promise that he would be a father of a multitude, and nothing, 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 nothing. Now listen, he didn't have a physical problem, but he had an emotional, mental, struggle, battle, pain. Imagine all that time I trusted God, I believed God, and nothing, and the enemy there harassing him. It's never going to happen. You're believing in a lie. It's just, it's a bunch of, it's a hoax. It's none of that ever happens. And then one day, he looks down, and there's little Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Laughter. And there's little Isaac, who is like, by faith given into their life. And when he saw little Isaac, all those 25 years, never think about him anymore. What I think about is God's promise to me is faithful. And when I see Isaac, I say, God, you are true. Your word is true. You were faithful. You did what you said I was going to do, what you said you were going to do. And I'm going to tell you something. In my own particular life, you're never going to go be able to travel you're never going to be able to go anywhere you, you know it's getting worse it's not getting better you can't get out of bed you can't sit in a chair you can't do this you can't do that and it's like if you're not careful that enemy will take you down a dark hole and you have to stand up one day and you have to say i've had enough now i'm not telling you on that day it's going to get better but you got to say i've had enough god's word says this Here's what God says in his word. He said, uh, to the ones who fear your name, the son of righteousness will rise up with healing in his wings and I will go forth like a calf leaping from its stalls. Here's what the word of God teaches. It says, uh, he was wounded for our trans No, he carried my sicknesses and he bore my pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, and smitten of God afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Uh, uh, the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes, I, we are healed. Here's what the Word of God says. He was anointed with the Spirit of God, he, uh, 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 Spirit of God uh, and power, and he went around doing good, healing all who were afflicted of the enemy. You know who brings affliction on your life? The enemy. You know why he did this? Because God was with him. He is God. Is he any different for us today? No, we have to believe his word. We have to trust in him. It's the enemy that wants you to believe that things will never change. It's the enemy that wants you to accept the situation that you're in, that wants you to come into agreement with him. Can you imagine Goliath coming out and talking to the Israelite army and saying, you might as well just give up? Look at me. You You can't win. And what did they do? They began to hide in their tents. And you know what happens? We see cancer. We see ALS. We see uh, lameness. We see deafness. We see blindness. We see back problems, stenosis, arthritis. We see rheumatoid arthritis. We see all these things. And we say, oh, I guess this is what I'm going to have to live with. I need to learn how to manage my problem. I'm not saying that if you're lame, you shouldn't and don't have to for a while use a crutch. But don't let your identity be, this is now my life. You say, you know what, I'm going to have to use this for a little bit, but I'm going to believe God because His Word is true. Then I'm not going to need this anymore. The enemy wants me to accept my condition, but I won't. That's not God. God. God didn't tell me to accept my condition. I, and I'm going to go with one more place in Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I want to show you something out of here. We, this is nothing new. I don't know why the Lord's having me do this this morning. Probably because he wants to do something incredible in the lives of somebody here this morning. But in Mark chapter 11, it says, I think it's in Verse 22. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Another translation says, have God-like faith. What does that look like? He goes on and he tells us. He said, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, what is a mountain? It's a problem. It was a problem to them, and it's a problem to us. Have you ever said, that isn't just a problem, that is a mountain of a problem, right? Now listen, what does he say? Whoever says that we're say can also be speak to this mountain. So what is he doing? First of all, you've got to recognize there's a mountain. See, a lot of us, we don't want to recognize the mountain. We want to live in denial. We want to avoid. And as long as we can avoid it, we're okay. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to do anything. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, when you speak to the mountain, that means you've got to face the mountain. So faith is not denying the problem. Faith is recognizing the problem, but also recognizing that you have something to deal with the problem. What do I do? Whoever speaks to this mountain and says in his heart, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says and the context here says and keeps on saying will be done he will ever he will have whatever he says and continues to say Now, what are you speaking to the mountain? You're telling the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And you might say to yourself, I don't have that authority to do that. No, you do not. You you don't have the power to do that, but you have the authority because you have the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God uh, uh, unto salvation, healing, wholeness to those who believe. well, I don't know if I have that much faith. You don't have to have a ton of faith. You just have to have a little bit of faith. Well, how much is a little bit of faith? It reminds me of the man that came up to Jesus. He said, Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible. And he said, well, I'll believe, but help my unbelief. That's all you need, a little bit. The ability to come to him and trust him. Not that I can take, deal with the problem, but he can deal with the problem. But you can't deny the problem. You've got to recognize the problem. But then recognizing the problem, don't let the problem dominate you. You realize that God has given you authority and power to speak to the problem. And what do you tell the problem to do? Leave. Not, hey, let me make a nice little room for you. Let me make, a, you, know, let me make you comfortable in my house. Right? It's crazy some of the things that happen today. That people come home and there's trespassers in their house and they don't kick them out. You know why? Because they let the government take their guns away. I'm sorry, I didn't need to go there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Scratch that. That wasn't Bible. That was Rick. But guess what? If there's somebody who's trying to, to take a fine room in my house that doesn't belong there, it's my responsibility to get rid of them. Do you understand? Get out of my house. But if cancer comes into our house, if uh, uh, lameness comes into our house... If some other kind of diabetes comes into our house, uh, what are some other things? Depression, uh, um, um, stroke. These things come into our house. You know, we want to say, I hate to hear things like this. My, um, my anxiety. It's an illustration, Lord. It's not mine. I don't take ownership of anything. Even I went through a battle with COVID a couple of times already. But I don't ever say when I had COVID because it bothers me. I said when I went through that fight with COVID. Because I don't want anything to feel like it has a place in my life. Now, I'm not stupid. I know that I battled with COVID. I know that I went through that. I took the medication. I did. But I'm doing everything I can not to make it feel at home in my life. And we need to take that position. Can we do that? Yes, you can. The Bible tells us that we can. Now, remember, I told you before at the beginning, I said when they came out of Egypt, there was no feeble ones among them. It would be my best guess, and I think it would be pretty accurate, that there are some feeble ones among us. But we're under a better covenant with better promises. So the bar, to me, is up here but we're living down here. So what do we do? We begin to raise our expectations to what the promises of God are in the Bible. The Bible says, for all the promises of God are yes. Okay. To which we say, amen. Amen. No, you you miss what amen means. Amen means I come into agreement with that. So be it in my life. I accept that as my truth. I begin to say the same things that God is saying. We spend too much time saying what the enemy is saying. We got to stop voicing the lies of the enemy. But in order to do that, you've got to know what the lies of the enemy are. And and the only way you're going to know what the lies of the enemy are is if you know what the truth of God is. And then we've got to be very careful to only let out of our mouth what God has said. I'm not saying you can't have fun and talk to people. I'm talking about when you're dealing with your problem. You speak to that mountain. You speak to the cancer. You speak to the depression. You speak to these things. And you say, you know what, I see you, and you're messing with me. I understand that. But I understand that I have authority and power in Jesus' name. And I just want you to know you're not going to be comfortable. See, the enemy doesn't want to make you comfortable. Why don't we want to make him comfortable? The Bible says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from me. Well, wait a minute, it's a sickness. It's not the devil. You forgot the scripture I gave to you before. How Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good, healing healing all, healing, all, healing, all who were what? Oppressed by the devil. Sickness, disease, affirming and affliction is not from God. Ultimately, it has its origins in the devil. We open the door through sin. But through the cross, God gave us a remedy. Amen? So we need to begin to speak the word of God. We need to begin. So submit yourself to God. What does God say? What do I need to say? What God says, resist the devil. Now, here's the thing about that word Resist. It doesn't mean, hey, I said go, and that's it. You stop, and it doesn't go, and so i got to live with it. No. It means to actively resist again and again and again. Well, how long do I actively resist again and again and again until he flees? Jesus Jesus himself had to resist the enemy's temptation three times. And then the Bible says the devil left him until he had another opportune time. Right, But the bottom line is, he had to resist that season until the enemy left. We have to submit ourselves to God because you have no strength apart from God. You have no ability apart from God's word because the strength and the power is in the word of God. So you have to submit yourself to God, be under the shadow of his wings, and resist the enemy. And here's what I'm going to end with, is that I've said this many times. Some of you are new, but I've said this many times. Sometimes we think we're in a one-punch fight but you're really in a 15-round brawl. You hit, he doesn't go down. You hit, he doesn't go down. Oh, you got hit. You want to go down. And what do you want to do? You want to quit? No, you get back up and you hit again. What do I hit with? The Word of God. God, uh, uh, if God be for me, who can stand against me? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No tongue that is raised shall stand. Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. You keep hitting again, hitting again. Well, he goes down, and they were still fighting. Well, that was just the first round. What do you keep doing? You go at it again. Finally, there comes a time when the enemy has to flee. But you see what happens. We live in a very instant society. I want it, and I want it now. And if I can't get it now, I'm going to go somewhere else where I can get it now. And so this idea of standing your ground and standing against the onslaught of an enemy and resisting and being active in your resistance to the point where the enemy says, I got to go, is foreign to many of us. But it's biblical. It's what the Word of God teaches. And what I'm trying to teach you this morning, I didn't intend on this, but what I'm trying to teach and what you want you to take away from that, is there is an answer to whatever it is you're going through Right? I said, well, I've been praying and I've prayed and I've been praying and I've been praying for a long time. Well, maybe what you need, one can put a thousand. Maybe there's a more than a thousand there. You need to get two. Two can put 10,000 or three can put 100,000. Well, I don't know what the case may be. But maybe what you've got to do is you've got to get more people a believing God with you until you get to a place where you say, well, I can't do it on my own. I need a tribe. I need a group of people. I need a clan. I, I, need, I need people to find me. But this thing is going to move. I think Irma did that. I don't know where Irma's at, but she did that. Yeah, man, we got a problem here. Well, Richard just got diagnosed. He's back there in the back with stage four cancer, and, and we got a problem here. So she called everybody. Boom, 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 boom. It's like, you know, some, some of us want to say, why don't tell everybody our problem? I don't want everybody to know what we're going through. Are you stupid? I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to say that. Uh, I... I You know, (laughs) I'm going to have one of those, you know, hashtag things over what I said, you know, right then. Just to turn to somebody and say, he wasn't talking to me. (laughs) You're going through a problem. Now, don't call the gossip. But call as many people as you can and say, hey, I know. That there's power in the word and there's power in agreement. Because if two or three can agree about anything in his name, it shall be done. And I know that sometimes I've got to resist and I've got to have help in my resistance. Right? And so I want you to agree with me. I want you to covenant with me. We're going to agree together about this thing that I'm going through until I see this thing go. Every time I get an opportunity for prayer, I want prayer. I want somebody to lay hands on me. Because when somebody lays hands on me and they pray for me, virtue is released into my life. He said, well, how come you haven't got better yet? Because I hadn't had that threshold yet, that virtue, that bowl hadn't been filled up yet. I don't know. I'm not fighting with God. I know he gave me an insight on this some time ago. He said, you're drilling a well, and when you hit that well, it's not only going to benefit you, but it's going to benefit everybody around you. And I was listening to a podcast. I knew the Lord was talking to me. He said uh, they were talking about They weren't talking about me or my situation, but they used this illustration. Sometimes you don't realize you're drilling through bedrock. And when you're drilling through bedrock, it's hard. And you might say to yourself, I'm going to go drill somewhere else. And you may want to quit. And you may want to say, this is never going to come up. Don't stop because your breakthrough might be right there. Why is it taking so long? Why is there so much resistance because of what you're having to drill through? You're not fighting with God, but what you're having to drill through. But I promise you, because this is what the Lord promised me, that there is a well. And whatever it is that he's promised you, he's faithful. And he will do. But we have a part to play. Amen? When God told, when the Israelites were complaining about the Red Sea, God put them there. And they were calling out to God, complaining. Moses, he said he's going to complain too. And God said, What are you here to calling out to me for? Go stand in front of that sea and raise up your staff. Right? Now, did Moses move the water? No. Who parted the water? God did. But when did God begin to move? When Moses lifted up his staff. You hear what I'm saying? When we lift up the word of God and we take our authority and we stand against these things that are in opposition to us, we are, we are opening the door. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Faith opens the door for the promises of God to manifest in our life, for God to begin to move. When we lift up our staff by faith... Moses was up on the mountain. What happened when he was up on the mountain? Uh, he sent Joshua out to battle. And while he was out battling, what they noticed when Moses lifted up his hands, they started winning. When Moses dropped his hands, he started losing. After a while, he got tired, dropped his hands. They're losing, right? Moses is trying. He notices there's a spiritual principle there. I lift up my hands, we win, drop. He knows, but his hands are so tired, he doesn't know what to do. He didn't say, Ben, her, not Ben, her, Aaron, her. Ben-Hur is a movie, by the way. Anyway, so he didn't say, hey, you guys come over and help me. He didn't say that at all because he was just trying to do what he knew how to do. But you know what? The body saw what was happening too. And they said, we need to help Moses. There's something about Moses lifting up his hands that, you know, when he lifts up his hands, we win. So Aaron comes along. And first of all, they get a rock for him to sit on, not to stop lifting up his hands. And they didn't take the staff from him because he in his hands with a staff. And they didn't say, hey, man, you old, decrepit old man, give me that staff. We need some young blood in this office. Give me that step; I'll hold it up. They didn't say that because they understood there was something on Moses. And they said, you know what? When, when something goes well with Moses and we help him, it goes well with all of us. And so they got around him and one got on his left and one got on his right and they say, Moses, we know you're tired, but don't worry about it. You just lay, lay your shoulder on my shoulder. And you lay your shoulder, I mean your elbow on my shoulder. And it said, we're going to help you so it's not difficult for you to lift up your hands. But when we all work together, we all win. You see, the enemy was fighting against all of them. And it wasn't about Moses lifting up. It was about all of them experiencing the victory. But it took more than one. It took them all, those that were fighting, those that were interceding, those that were lifting up, those that were standing, and all of them working together brought about a great victory for all the people i think